I want to introduce this message to you tonight, and I'm not exactly sure exactly how I'm going to introduce this to you. But understand, this is my introduction. I want you to go to Psalms chapter 91. I want to read this verse of Scripture to you this evening. Psalms 91, verse 1, it says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. You read those verses, we realize that God is our refuge. And we are to rest in Him. I want to read another verse by way of introduction. I want you to go to Psalms chapter 36. Psalms chapter 36. And verse number seven. It says here, how excellent is thy loving kindness, O God. Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. Aren't you thankful for our God? I mean, you think about what our God has done for us. He has sustained us. Every one of us in this room, he has protected us. He has sustained us. He has provided for us. He is, and I hope he is your all in all. And that is so important that it just really just want to turn our attention just for a moment to that one thought. God is our refuge. God is the place that we can put our trust in. I want you to go with me to Judges chapter 9. Judges chapter 9, I want to begin reading here in verse number 1. It says here, And Abimelech, the son of Jerubbabel, went to Shechem unto his mother's brethren and communed with them, and with all the family the house of his mother's father, saying, Speak, I pray you, in the ears of all the men of Shechem, whether it is better for you, either that all the sons of Jerubbabel, which are threescore and ten persons, reign over you, or that one reign over you. Remember also that I am your bone and your flesh. And his mother's brethren spake of him in the ears of all the men of Shechem all these words, and their hearts inclined to follow Abimelech, for they said, He is our brother. And they gave him threescore and ten pieces of silver out of the house of Baal Berwith, wherewith Abimelech hired vain and light persons which followed him. And he went into his father's house at Oprah and slew his brethren, the sons of Jerubbabel, being threescore and ten persons upon one stone, notwithstanding, yet Jotham, the youngest son of Jerubbabel, was left, for he hid himself. And all the men of Shechem gathered together in all the house of Milo and went and made Abimelech king by the plain of the pillar that was in Shechem. Now, you read this passage of scripture and there's not a lot of really positive things going on here. But I want to point out here just a a couple truths that I want you to understand before I dive into this message. 
I want you to understand just a couple truths of the Word of God. And I believe I can back these up with multiple scriptures. Okay? Where there is authority, there is influence. God puts people in a position of authority for the sake of influence. You see, God makes the parents to be mom and dad, and he makes them to be their parents for the sake of authority. You know, God put them there in that position, and in that position of authority, they have the ability to influence. And listen, when it comes to raising children, authority and influence work together. If you have all authority and no influence, we end up being like Eli, who had the authority of God, and then there's, there's, he had no ability to influence his sons when they went and did the wrong things. He was the high priest. He had the ability to correct them, but he refused to correct them. He had the authority, but he did not have the influence. Where there is authority, there is influence. If you're driving down the road, red and blue lights come on behind you, police officer approaches the car and he says, do you slow down? Is there authority? Is there influence? Absolutely. They're inseparable. It is a principle, I believe, of life. It's a principle of God's word. It's something that God put forth. And, and God is not just our God of, a, of authority. And he has no influence on what goes on in the world. But he does have an influence upon what is going on in this world today. And here in this passage, I want you to consider just that one word, influence. And I want to ask this question of you this evening. What is your influence? You might think that's a weird question to ask for a Sunday evening service or really any service. What is your influence? And so we're, gonna, we, we're diving into this passage here, and you see here Abimelech, the son of Jerubbabel. The first question is this, who is Jerubbabel? Now, if you know who Jerubbabel is, you've studied the word of God, but you have to go back into chapter 8, verse 35. It says here, neither showed they kindness unto the house of Jerubbabel, namely Gideon. Jerubbabel is Gideon. Gideon was that man of faith that took 300 soldiers and in a God-ordained act of faith, miraculous battle, defeated the Midianites, who the Bible said were as grasshoppers in the valley. God worked a miracle and delivered the, the children of Israel from oppression because of Gideon and his faith and his leadership. And here you see his son wanting to be king. And he goes to his family, to his mother's brethren, and, and to his, his, his own family there. And, and he, in verse number two, he brings this question to them. I want you to see this question. Verse number two. Speak, I pray, in the ears of all the men of Shechem. Here's the question. Whether it is better for you either that all the sons of Jerubbabel, which are threescore and ten persons, reign over you, or that one reign over you. Okay? You saw the question, so I'm going to ask you the same question. How many think it had been better for the 70 sons to reign over the nation of Israel? Anybody? How many think it had been better for one man to reign over the nation of Israel? Anybody? Okay? How many of you don't think? 
Okay? How many know it's a trick question? Okay? Now, in, in reality, that is what they call an either-or fallacy. It is a fallacy in logic. What the question is posing here is the lesser of two evils. What's better, to have 70 sons rule over it or one man? The true question is here, what was best? What did God really want? And really, you go back in the chapter 8, and you go back to verse number 22. It says, Then the men of Israel said unto Gideon, Rule thou over us, both thou and thy sons, and thy sons' sons also, for thou hast delivered us from the hand of Midian. And Gideon said unto them, I will not rule over you, neither shall my son rule over you. The Lord shall rule over you. The real question is here is what was best. And what was best was for God to be their king. And here you see, Joth, or you see Abimelech going to his family. His family goes to the men of Shechem and the house of Milo, and they convince them to give him 70 pieces out of the house of Baal Berwith. And he takes that money and he goes and he hires, the Bible says, vain and light persons. And then he goes and he murders his own siblings. But yet you notice that Jotham, the youngest son of Gideon, escapes. And then you see all the men of Shechem in verse number 6, making Abimelech king. You know, when you look here at the nation of Israel, they're going in the wrong direction. And it's easy to ask the question and say, what is the purpose of this passage? Why is this here in the word of God? But is there something here that we can learn from God's word? You look at Jotham, the youngest son of Jerubbabel, Gideon. What can he do about this? Who is he? He's really the least of his father's house. He is really insignificant. And he's just one man in the nation of Israel. What can he do about this? I mean, you know, he, he, if, 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 if Abimelech could have found him, he would have killed him too. He was looking for all of them. He would have murdered him with the rest of them. You know, can I tell you the honest truth? Talk about America. Talk about, you know, God once again visiting America, bringing revival here to America. We oftentimes, we can look at what is going on in our world today, and we can look at it and say, who are we? What can we do? You know, what can insignificant little me do about this? I mean, we're just a little church. What impact can we have really in this world today? Is there anything that we can do? And it's easy, as you look here at Jotham, to just really begin to think that maybe he could have just given up and said, I can't do anything about this. But let me tell you, Jotham does what he can, and that's what I want you to see. Now, Jotham is going to go into a parable. As I go into this parable, I want you to think of these trees in terms of usefulness. 
In other words, those people that came to those trees could pick up the fruit of that tree and that fruit would be useful to them. All of those trees, whoever comes under their influence is going to be affected by those trees. Those trees have an influence. Okay, now we're going to come into this parable in verse number seven. It says here, and when they told it to Jotham, he went and stood on the top of Mount Gerizim and lifted up his voice and cried and said unto them, hearken unto me, ye men of Shechem, that God may hearken unto you. And notice here, he goes to the top of Mount Gerizim. What was Mount Gerizim for? It was the Mount of Blessing. The children of Israel came into the promised land. Half of the nation got up on the Mount Gerizim and proclaimed the goodness, the blessings of God. The other half got up in, on the other mountain and pronounced the, the curses of God. The blessings and the curses they did there upon Mount Gerizim. But he goes to the top of Mount Gerizim and he begins this parable with these words. Hearken unto me, ye men of Shechem, that God may hearken unto you. Can I point out to you, first of all, that there's authority in the statement? There's authority. Can I tell you honestly, a missionary going to a foreign country, whatever country that is, or you just going across the street and talking to your neighbor, we have the authority of God to do so. And really, our message is just this, hearken unto me that God may hearken unto you. That is a missionary's message. And that's what a missionary carries across, you know, the the country, wherever he's going to, or even on deputation. That is the message that a missionary brings to a church. There is authority here. Can I tell you, we have the authority of God to do what we do? Can I tell you, we have the authority of God to go across the street and tell them about Jesus Christ? Can I tell you, we have the authority of God, you know, to, to go into the uttermost parts of the world, to go across town, across the state, I mean, to go wherever we need to go, we have the authority of God to do so. It's been given to us by the word of God. When Jesus gave that great commission, he said, go ye therefore. Right. We have his authority. We have his power. We have his blessing to do what we do. But still, the question is, what is your influence? I've showed you the authority. Where there's authority, there's influence. Now, this began to go into this parable. Verse number eight, it says here, the trees went forth on a time to anoint a king over them, and they said unto the olive tree, reigned out over us. But the olive tree said unto them, should I leave my fatness wherewith by me they honor God and man and go to be promoted over the trees? Now, let me point out here as we begin this parable that this is one of the great treasures of wisdom in the Old Testament if we fully grasp what God is saying here. And I cannot say I fully grasp it because there's so much truth in this. I, I, I have a hard time really trying to digest it all and put it together in a 45-minute message. Okay? Now, he, the trees get together and the trees decide we're going to elect a king. And so the trees come to the olive tree and say to the olive tree, olive tree, will you be our king? And of course, the olive tree refuses, says, oh, no, I'm not going to be your king. And the olive tree gives a reason. Why does the olive tree not want to be the king? In verse number nine, 
It said, the olive tree said unto them, should I leave my fatness wherewith by me they honor God and man and go to be promoted over the trees? I mean, what is he talking about here? Should I leave my fatness? Now, what is the spiritual implication here? What is he talking about in this passage? I believe the word of God has the answer for us. So go back to Genesis chapter 27. Genesis chapter 27. See, Isaac is an old man. And his sons, he's got twin boys, Jacob and Esau. And Isaac decides he wants to give the blessing to Esau. But God told Rebekah at the birth, or before those babies were born, that the elder was going to serve the younger. The blessing was to go to Jacob. But mom got Jacob to get the kid out of the flock, and she dressed it and cooked it and seasoned it like dad liked. And he put goat's hair on the back of his hands and the back of his neck, and he went in and he deceived his father and got the blessing. And in the middle of this blessing, Genesis 27, verse 28, it says, Therefore God give thee the dew of heaven and fatness of earth and plenty of corn and wine. What is the fatness that is talking about? The fatness of, of let's see, it, it says here, um, I lost my verse here. The fatness of the earth. What is that? I'll tell you, the number one thing that we have here in this passage as an influence is the blessings of God that we have. You know, can I tell you we live in the United States of America? Can I tell you that even though there is so much trouble going on in this nation right now, that we are still blessed to beyond measure? Okay? If you go outside of the United States of America and you go visit a third world country, you realize how good you have it. But I tell you, God has given us the blessing I mean, we have in the United States of America the freedom to worship God. Right. We have the freedom of speech. Right. I tell you, you have the freedom to go out and to work a job and to save money. And, and I tell you, capitalism is God's way. It's God's system of an economy. And, and I tell you, God has blessed this nation. He's blessed many of you financially. And so often when we think of missions, you know, I'll sign the check. And I tell you, it is our influence. We have an influence because of the prosperity and the blessing of God. Pastor this morning mentioned England, and that one day, they, you know, time ago, they were the one that was sending forth the missionaries. They were the number one country in the world, and America has taken the place, and England is a flame that has died. Can right. I tell you that we have a great influence yes. because of the blessings of God that he has given to us? You know, you realize, as you think about just what's going on in this country with the push towards socialism, I tell you, what can we do? What can we do? Who are we? Who's Jotham? Let's go back to, to Judges chapter 9. 
in verse number 10. It says, And the tree said to the fig tree, Come thou and reign over us. But the fig tree said unto them, Should I forsake my sweetness and my good fruits and go to be promoted over the trees? Well, the trees haven't given up on getting the king yet, have they? So next they come to the fig tree, and let me tell you, the fig tree does have a usefulness, doesn't it? I mean, you can go get figs off of that tree. You could eat figs. I mean, there's something there that the fig tree has that whoever comes under its influence has. But they ask the fig tree, fig tree, will you be our king? And the fig tree says, oh, no, I'm not going to be your king. And the fig tree gives a reason. What's the reason? Verse 11, should I forsake my sweetness and my good fruits and go to be promoted over the trees? What is that sweetness? What is that good fruits? Can I tell you that sweetness and that good fruit is the way God made the tree? Can I tell you that's what the tree was supposed to do? And when that tree has its roots down in the ground and it's getting the nutrients and the water from the ground, it will produce the, the, that sweetness and that good fruit. Why? Because that's what it's supposed to do. What is that sweetness? Follow me. to the book of Proverbs. Book of Proverbs, chapter 27, and verse 9. It says here, ointment and perfume rejoice the hearts so that the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. Can I tell you that God has given to many of you a sweetness? Why do we have that sweetness? 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Why do we have a sweetness about it? It's because the Lord Jesus Christ has saved us. He's changed our life to where we can honestly say the things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. The things I used to say, I don't say them anymore. God has changed your life. He's given you a sweetness. And as a result of that changed life, God has given you the ability to bear fruits. What is that fruit here? And I'm going to equate that fruit here to the fruit of the Holy Spirit of God. You know, what is that fruit? You know, you know, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. And I point out the fruit, singular. It's not fruits, but it's one fruit, singular, manifested in nine ways. We either have the fruit of the Holy Spirit or we don't. We either have the sweetness about us or we don't. But let me tell you, because we are children of God, we have the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And, and when we are surrendered to the Holy Spirit, when we're in submission to God in our life, that fruit is evident in our life. And because of that sweetness, because of that good fruit, we got to realize that we have an influence upon this world. Go back to Judges chapter 9 and verse number 
12. It says, Then said the trees unto the vine, Come thou and reign over us. And the vine said unto them, Should I leave my wine, which cheereth God and man, and go to be promoted over the trees? Now, I'm going to point out the obvious to you first. The trees are still looking for a king. But the vine is not a tree. But the trees are still looking for a king. They're still searching. And even though the trees are greater than the vine, they turn to the vine and says to the vine, vine, will you be our king? But the vine still has a usefulness. And the vine says to the, to the, the trees, oh no, I'm not going to be your king. And the vine gives a reason. What's the reason? The vine said unto them, should I leave my wine, which cheereth God and man, and go to be promoted over the trees? Now let me point out to you, first of all, this wine here. The vine is saying, should I leave my wine? Where's the wine? It's in the cluster of the grapes. It's still in the clusters. You know, it is fresh grape juice. It's not talking about intoxicating beverage. It's not talking about alcohol. It's not justifying social drinking, that wine that's going to make God cheery. You know, that's not the point of this passage. Now, let me point out here a second thing here about this passage. It says that wine which cheereth God. Is God depressed? Does God need encouraged? You know, is, is, I mean, do we have a responsibility to cheer God up? because he's depressed or discouraged or there's something wrong with him? No, we need to come to him for encouragement. We need to find him as being the one that's going to supply our needs. That word there, to cheer, means to rejoice. It means to rejoice. Can I ask you, are there things that we can do that will make God rejoice? Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. You have three parables here. It's really one parable that really reflects the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and the Father's work in salvation. But that first parable, picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, the shepherd seeking the lost sheep, he's got a hundred, one of them wanders away, 99 safe in the fold, he goes out and finds that one. In verse number seven, it says, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over the 90 and nine just persons which need no repentance. Then you see the woman going and searching for the coin, and she finds that coin in in verse number 10. It says here, likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repentance. Can I tell you who is in the presence of the angels in heaven? It is God himself. Can I tell you, every time you take the gospel of Jesus Christ, every time you share the gospel of Jesus Christ with somebody and they bow their head and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and they come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior, can I tell you, you make the Father in heaven rejoice. Right. Right. You're cheering the heart of God. Right. 
You are encouraging the Father in heaven, and, and heaven erupts in praise, and they rejoice because of one sinner that repents. Let me tell you, we have an influence upon God himself. That wine which cheereth God and man. Can I tell you that wine that's talking about that fresh grape juice was used in the sacrifices? It was used in, in, in the wave offering that was given to God. It was used in, in, in really the olive tree and the olive oil was used in the sacrifices. It was used and given to God. But can I tell you, one of the greatest influences that we have upon God himself is when a young person or a middle-aged person or an old person surrenders their life to God and says, God, I will serve you. I will give my life to you. I will go to the mission field if you want. I'm willing to do what you want me to do. And I tell you, we make heaven rejoice when we surrender our life to the Lord Jesus Christ and we give him ourselves. We give him our, our, our mind, our emotions, our will. We give him everything about us. Romans 12, 1 and 2, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. I'm going to tell you, heaven rejoices when one person says, okay, God, I'm going to go to the mission field. I'm willing to go. Heaven rejoices when a young man says, God, I'll be a preacher for you. Heaven rejoices when somebody says, okay, God, I'll be a, you know, I'll be a preacher's wife, but I'll be, you know, I'll be this or that or whatever you want me to do. I will surrender, God. Whatever you want me to do, I will surrender to you. Can I tell you, there's yet something greater in our influence upon God. There's something that every one of you has the power in here to influence God with. And that is the power of prayer. Can I tell you, prayer changes things. Let me tell you, there's more power in prayer sitting in this room than there is in Russia's arsenal right now. There is more power in prayer sitting in this room than there is in the White House. There is more power of prayer sitting in this room than there is in both houses of Congress. There is more power of prayer that's in this room than there is in the Ohio State Senate and in, in, in the government buildings there. They tell you there's more power of prayer in this room than there is in the, the cults that meet across town. And tell you, we have a privilege to influence the heart of God. Can I tell you what Spurgeon, how Spurgeon said it? He says, prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscle of omnipotence. Prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscle of omnipotence. We have the ability to move the heart of God on behalf of this world. On behalf of what's going on in nations, on behalf of our government here in the, in the United States of America. And it's easy to look out and to say, man, what's going on with this world? It's easy to look out and to become depressed, to become discouraged and say, what can we do? Can I tell you, as I've traveled across this nation in 2020 with all the lockdowns and the coronavirus and the restrictions, we, we didn't stop. We just kept going. I said, God, you'll give us meetings. We'll keep going. We kept going. 
But you know what I found across this nation after Biden won the election? There are churches like this one that are on their faces before God crying out for this nation. There are people that are praying for this nation. They're praying for God to bring revival. They're praying for God to turn. Maybe his grace will, will be shed once again on the United States of America, that God will bring a revival about in our nation, that God will once again visit us. But they tell you, if revival starts anywhere, it's going to be right here in the house of God. It has to start here. And you really look at, at, at what this administration and everything this, administra this administration has tried to do. I mean, you, you think about it. This administration has tried to do so much, but it keeps getting roadblocked. Right. They're trying to do it, and they get stopped. They try this, and it gets stopped. Why is that happening? Could it be that there's some little old man or little old lady that knows how to pray? And that they're actually grabbing hold of the horns of the altar of Almighty God's throne and, and bringing their petition before him and they're, and they're praying to him and they're saying to God, God, help us. And God is hearing their prayer and turning away the evil that is going on in this world. And I tell you, God hears the prayers of his people. He hears the prayers of his servant. Let me tell you, you have in this auditorium a great potential in the power of prayer, not only for the sake of the United States of America, not only for the sake of the Philippines and the world, but you have the power of prayer for the sake of Maslin, Ohio. But too often, we're like Jotham and we've just given up. We sit back and we look at what's going on and we're the ones that get depressed. I tell you, you, you get depressed watching the news, turn the news off. Okay? It, it'll end the depression right away. Besides, all they're doing is lying to you. Okay? So, um, just a little extra theology for tonight. Okay? Now, go back to Judges chapter 9. Okay, this, this parable is by no means over. In verse number 14, Then said all the trees unto the bramble, Come thou and reign over us. And the bramble bush said unto the trees, If in truth you anoint me king over you, then come and put your trust in my shadow. And if not, let fire come out from the bramble and devour the cedars of Lebanon. So the trees, next they come to the bramble bush. Now, can I point out to you the obvious again? I think you already know what I'm going to say. The bramble bush is not a tree. The bramble bush is a worthless bush. But yet the trees are so desperate to have a king that they come to the bramble bush and say to the bramble bush, bramble bush, will you be our king? And the bramble bush responds, oh yes, I'll be your king. And what does the bramble bush do here? What does he say? It says, if in truth you anoint me king over you, then come and put your trust in my shadow. Now you see why I read Psalms 91, verse 1, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the, the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You see, it come here and the bramble bush boasts itself of great things. And the bramble bush says, yes, I'll be your king. If in truth you anoint me king over you, then come and put your trust. 
This is obviously referring to Bimelech becoming king. And, and that's what this bramble bush here is being compared to in this parable. And so, you know, if in truth you anoint me king over you, then come and put your trust, your trust, your trust. I'm here from the government. I'm here to help you. <clears throat> well, isn't that what the bramble bush is saying? Yeah, come put your trust in my shadow. Now, honestly, if I want to get some shade, wouldn't I get more shade under the olive tree and the fig tree, right. even the vine? But if I want to get shade under the bramble bush, and it, you know, what is the bramble bush? It's just a worthless bush. It's a thorny bush. It has no value. If I want to get shade under the bramble bush, you know what I got to do? I have to get awful close to it. And the closer I get to it, the more I'm going to get hurt. And of course, Abimelech is the bramble bush. And here the bramble bush is elevating himself to that position of king and says, come put your trust in my shadow. But God said, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Let me tell you, underneath his wings, there's a shadow that we can find protection, that we can find safety. Let me tell you, there's a shelter of a mighty rock in a weary land. There's a shadow there that we can find protection, that we can find our, our sustenance, we can find our provision, we can find our protection, we can find our influence that we have under the shadow of that rock in a weary land. And here the bramble bush is making himself king. You see, I ask the question, what is your influence? What has God given you as an influence? Number one that he's given to you is the blessing of God. We have freedom. We have finances. I mean, we have the ability to go. God has given to us his blessing. What is our influence? We have been given that good fruit. We've been given that sweetness. Why? Because of who we are? No, because of Christ in us. Hey, we have been given that ability to cheer the heart of God. We have the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, you know, in reality, you know, are we taking it across the streets? You know, I can, you know, we can begin to make excuses and say, well, I can't go like I used to go. I can't do like I used to do. You know, we, we, can, could you actually go knock on five doors this week and try to talk to people about Jesus Christ? I mean, just five doors. I mean, could we go and, and give them a, an invitation, somebody we've never met, just knock on their door and say, hey, I'm here from Anchor Baptist Church. I'm here. I want to tell you about Jesus Christ, but here's an invitation. Invite you to our Easter service. You know, we have the, the, the truth. We have the word of God. We, we have the power of God in prayer. What is your influence? Really, the next question is this. How are you using that for him? How are you using it for him? We have the influence. 
And it comes from the authority. Can I tell you, very simply, you don't want to be the bramble bush. They'll say, how do I know I'm the bramble bush? Well, when you refuse to thank God for those blessings he's given to you, you realize in Romans chapter 1, the thankfulness was the first sin that led them to the homosexuality in Romans 1. Have we lost that ability to thank God for what we have? And God has given it to us. What are we doing with it? Are we investing it for him? Are we, are we giving it and investing it in missions like God wants us to do? Listen, we have that sweetness. We have that good fruit. But if you've lost that sweetness, you've lost that good fruit, you become the bramble bush. And why do we lose that sweetness? Why do we lose that good fruit? Why do we lose our thankfulness? Why? Because it's all about myself rather than about him. We elevate ourselves to that position of being king rather than allowing Jesus Christ to be our king. We become the bramble bush when we lose our power in prayer. And we don't pray seriously like we need to pray. We lose our influence. We lose that, that, that when, when, when we no longer are concerned about taking the gospel of Jesus Christ across the streets. You see, we become the bramble bush. So in truth, don't be the bramble bush. Now I can tell you, We've got bramble bushes in the White House, in Congress, okay? I tell you, they're there. But you don't need to be the bramble bush. You don't need to be the bramble bush. You need to come back and realize, yes, God has given to me an authority. Hearken unto me, ye men of Shechem, that God may hearken unto you. We have that authority. Let me tell you, we have those things that have been given to us by God for the sake of influence. We've been given them by him. Are we using them for his honor and glory? Or we use them for our own selfishness? God wants to be the king in your life. I want to end with this story, and then I'll turn it over to you. Many years ago, we met a lady in visitation. She invited us in. We sat down at the table. I went over the gospel of Jesus Christ with her. I began to share with her about salvation, and she very quickly told me that she was saved. She gave me a good testimony of salvation and said, when I was a little girl, I grew up in church. And she remembered as a little girl putting her faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Then she told me, I've got one regret. She says, also as a little girl, she said, I surrendered to go to the mission field. But got pursuing the almighty dollar. Got pursuing the career. And now here she is, 75 years old, I believe, at that time. She has emphysema. She's walking with the walker. She's on oxygen and says, I've got one regret. I told God I would go to the mission field, and I never went. 
But you know, the Lord Jesus Christ gave a parable about the, the, the man that went out and he found people that go work in his vineyard. He says, I'll pay you a penny. And then he went out again at noon. He found other people standing idle and he said, go work in my field and I'll pay you what's, what's right. He went out finally at the 11th hour. Remember that parable? And what did he say? Go work in my field and I'll pay you what's fair. And those people that began to work in the 11th hour got a penny. And those people that had worked through the heat of the day were expecting more. I shared with this woman, look, you're in the 11th hour of your life. But if you'll get busy and do for God what God wants you to do, if you'll be a missionary now, God will reward you what's right when you get to heaven. In a few weeks, she fell and broke her hip. She went to the hospital. I took her a stack of tracks, said, here's your opportunity to be a missionary. And as those people came into her doctor's room, she was handing out those gospel tracts and trying to share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know how I know? Because she came back to me the next, when I went back to see her the next time, she told me, these people don't want to hear it. I know she was trying. She then went to the nursing home after she had her hip replacement. I took her another stack of tracks and she went around that nursing home and gave out those tracks and shared the gospel with those people. I went back the third time, walked in her room. She wasn't there. Went to the nurse's station. Maybe she's eating. Maybe she's out for some exercise. Maybe her family came and picked her up. I says, where's so-and-so? And they asked, well, who are you? And I said, well, I'm her pastor. They said, well, you need to know this. He says, just the other day, we were feeding her breakfast, and she was sitting up eating and all of a sudden she looked up and she said, I'm going home. Please read to me Psalms 23. And that's attended, read to her Psalms 23 as she slipped off into eternity. Let me tell you, she went home to heaven. And then I tell you, she was a missionary because she did what God told her to do. And it doesn't matter whether you're in the 11th hour of your life. You still have the ability to cheer the heart of God and to make him rejoice by the giving of your life to him, by the commitment of yourself to pray, by taking the gospel of Jesus Christ across the street and, and just sharing it with five people this week if, you, if God would give you the opportunity. You have an influence. How are you using it for him? Preacher. So we stand our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. The altar's open. If God's spoken to your heart, we all have an influence. We all have an opportunity to be able to reach other people. As the piano plays and maybe you want to make your way back to the track rack after church tonight and 
grab a handful of tracks, grab some Easter invites. On the back of the Easter invites, there's the plan of salvation, just simple, some verses, and, and you can leave those with people and let them know that they can uh, they come to Easter and they can come to the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved today. The need is so great. I've heard it said you can't, you can't witness to the wrong person. You really can't. You can't give a gospel track to the wrong person. 